Welcome back. I'm Shane McClelland. I'm Lori Gum. And these are the Q Files. To begin season three, we will tell you a story you think you already know. Like the story of the Donner Party, it too captured the American imagination and stole the headlines of the papers that shared the news of their times. It was one of the most covered criminal cases in American history. The Boston Globe would proclaim, it is impossible to exaggerate the interest felt and manifested by intelligent readers throughout the country in the outcome of this trial of a comparatively young woman for the murder of her father and stepmother. They estimated that there are at this moment 100,000 persons devoting what they are pleased to call their minds to a hopeless analysis of this tremendous case. A blueprint of the family home where the murders took place would be printed in the papers with a curt suggestion to cut this out and save it for reference during the trial. But there was more, much more, between these leads. In this and subsequent episodes, we will try and fill in those often haunting, troubling, and yes, even inspiring spaces that have previously gone unmentioned. At the end of last season, we told you the tale of discovering Hester Foster's true story, a woman who history had turned its back upon. Nothing had been written about her. The woman at the heart of this episode had entirely the opposite treatment. It seems too much has been written about her. There's TV shows, movies, books, chronicles, and particularly fictional tales that have muddied and muddled her real story. And in many of them, she is often portrayed as a monster. Maybe she was. However, in the 1890s in Fall River, Massachusetts, a white, upper-middle-class, unmarried woman, forbidden to work for pay by family and society, had only two options to obtain financial security, freedom from sexual coercion, and independence. She could either inherit it or steal it. And then there was one could say, that third bloody option. To begin, let's make clear that the children's rhyme that has existed since the time of her trial is incorrect. She did not give her mother 40 wax, nor her father 41. On August 4th, 1892, Abby Borden was killed first, with 19 blows, not from an axe, but from a hatchet. Andrew Borden was then murdered with just 11. Total wax would amount to only 30, not 81. Still, a formidable task. The aforementioned children's rhyme was said to have been sung to a popular skipping rope melody of the then-popular song ta ra ra boom Day." It was created by a journalist to sell newspapers. During the trial, she would be described as aloof as a Buddha in a temple, cold, self-possessed, very plain-looking old maid, homely, ugly, and our favorite, a brawny, big, muscular, hard-faced, coarse-looking girl. It was also reported that during the trial, strong men lowered their heads. Weaker men wiped tears from their eyes. 
every woman in the courtroom sobbed and wept, except one. She would defy the gender norms of her era simply by her mere silent presence. She would not testify at her own trial. And the very notion that a white woman of her economic and social status could have possibly committed such a brutal act upon her own parents would be the true gender-busting element that instantly drew people deep into this shocking and bizarre crime. Make no mistake, this story is all about the gender nonconformity of one woman. After the trial in which she was acquitted of both murders, we're pretty sure that is no spoiler to the story, she would slowly shed the birth name of Lizzie, a cute, childish name given to her by her father, and then self-identify with a new name, much as many of us in the queer community do as we transition into our true and authentic selves. It was a purposeful and transformative decision for her. And so, in this episode, we will not simply tell you the story of a woman named Lizzie, but instead, we will tell you of the life, crimes, and loves of a woman named Lizbeth Borden. Six years ago, when Shane and I started Queer Ghost Hunters, our number one dream location to conduct the queer ghost hunt was the Borden Murder House. It just never happened. But we still dreamed about it because we believed that Lizzie had some particularly queer secrets to share with us. So this past June, I booked us an overnight stay in the murder house. And not only the house, but in Lizzie and her sister Emma's bedroom suite. We were ecstatic. It was finally going to happen. But I got the dates all screwed up. And after receiving an email from the organization that runs the house about our stay the following night, I realized that we should have left that day. We had planned a leisurely two-day drive for a 12-hour journey, but it would now be a one-day, 12-hour drive starting the next morning, September 6th on Labor Day. We took it in stride as most of our ghost hunts include some strange misunderstanding or miscommunication about the date or location. This one would be no different. And so I sleepily picked up Shane at his house at 5.30 a.m. the next morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> All right, here we go. Perfect. <sighs> Shit, Shane. It's early. The the dogs didn't even respond to my alarm going off. Pork chop usually jumps up too, and she was like, "What? <laughs> what? Do you work at Whole Foods again?" She panicked. All right, I'm going to put it into Google. Location. Lizzie Borden House. Let's hope there's not two of them. A bed and breakfast, Fall River. Start. Eleven hours on the button. Arrive at five oh five. Five fifteen. We're on time. We are. Well, we've always wanted to do this. <laughs> We're doing it in We're a big way. It. Okay. You ready? 
Yeah. I'll just leave this on for about I'm glad you were doing that. All right. Why does that say zip? Been acting a little screwy. Great. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Everything is just conspiring with us. I'm going with to us. directions. So it says it. Yeah, okay. Here we go. See, I don't think it's. Yeah, now start. I hit both of these. Head west on Zipper Street toward Rex Alley. I don't know why it added 13 it's minutes. It's been doing. But in, your in. route may be affected by New England floods. Oh, great. <laughs> of it's course. Like, it's like the Oregon Trail, but we're going the opposite way. Just don't eat me. That's all I'm telling you. In 500 feet, turn left onto Brock Street. What is it? Like, cock the wagon to ford the river? <laughs> turn left onto Brock Street, then turn left onto East oh. Eschler Avenue. And so, we were on our way, finally. The drive went by quickly, through six states, and at about 6 p.m., we found ourselves crossing the Braga Bridge, over the Taunton River, in Stafal River, Massachusetts. Lori had been there before, and remembered it as a small, quaint, and old-fashioned town. It was anything but. It was a sprawling, industrial seaport, the shore lined with massive cargo ships, and the horizon dotted with long-forgotten tall chimneys of textile factories that once dominated the landscape. Since 1843, the official city motto of Fall River has been, We'll try. Well, okay. Sounds fair enough. Probably best not to set your city sights too high. Honestly, Fall River is probably the strangest town we have ever encountered. Obviously, somebody didn't try hard enough. We crossed the bridge and then wound through the abandoned section of town, eventually down Borden Street, and then turned onto 2nd Street. And there it was. The modest but imposing two-story dwelling that had become infamously known as the Lizzie Borden Murder House, our destination. We could hardly believe our eyes. I mean, we were here. The dark green color of the house was striking and offset dramatically by all black wooden shutters. It is said that Andrew Borden let his daughter Lizzie pick out the colors herself, and the house has been restored to that original tint. The painter had already mixed several colors of the then-popular Victorian pigments, such as runlet peach, codman claret, and jonquil yellow. But Lizzie would have none of it. She demanded picholine green, named after a dark green French olive. The painter would relent, but secretly told a friend that he thought her color choices were dark and drab. Not to be too stereotypical, but it honestly seemed like a lesbian color to me. I mean, at least this lesbian loved it. And I'm really hoping that Subaru introduces a Lizzie Borden Picholine for their 2024 Crosstrack when my lease runs out. We parked in the back and walked around to the front of the house, where we entered the code we had been given to unlock the door. It creaked open, and we stepped inside. Immediately, we glanced into the sitting room and saw the reproduction of the maroon, hair-upholstered couch upon which Andrew Borden was murdered. We looked at each other with creepy delight, 
Then we looked at the stairs that were directly in front of us, which led to Lizzie and Emma's bedroom suite. We started, and then about halfway up, we glanced to our left, and we could see under the bed of the second floor guest room to the exact spot where Abby Borden was discovered dead. It was these same stairs and this vantage point which neighbors had actually discovered that not only Andrew, but Abby had also been murdered. Now that sent chills up our spines. We proceeded up the creaky stairs. The bedroom suite consists of a larger room, which was Lizzie's, and a smaller room off to the left that had its own door, which was Emma's. We took a deep breath and looked around. It had been decorated with Victorian furnishings, and pictures of the Borden family hung about the room, seemingly not welcoming, but instead watching us. At least that's how it felt. These were not warm faces. Mostly they looked sternly surprised. We sat down for a moment just to take it all in. No doubt this was the room where decades of intimate conversation between sisters had taken place, and maybe even where murder had been plotted. It was indeed a little unnerving. But it was not yet dark at 7 p.m., and we had not planned to start our actual ghost hunt until the sun had long gone down. And we were starved. We headed out for some dinner. And then, even though it was Labor Day, we noticed that nothing was open. Certainly no restaurants. Not even McDonald's or a local pizza place had their lights on. We passed restaurant after restaurant, diner after diner, with no luck. It was so very strange. And then we noticed that none of the houses in the area had their lights on either. No one, it seemed, was home in Fall River. We drove down to the waterfront. Surely this last day of summer would see plenty of hungry patrons trying to choke down the last fresh seafood of the season from its best restaurants. Completely dark. We pulled the car over for a moment. We didn't know what to do. We checked the news on our phones to make sure nothing had happened, like some apocalyptic terrorist attack or maybe the fact that another hurricane was on its way. Nope. Just more inane political foolishness. Nothing that might have cleared out an entire city. We drove around for what seemed like forever and finally found a nice Portuguese restaurant where we did enjoy an incredible seafood meal with a bottle of nice red wine. But that said... It had unsettled us. The entire town felt exactly like the Borden house, unwelcoming. As if the entire town simply preferred that we leave and go home. There was a palpable sense of dark alienation and desperate isolation in this city. Finally, we made it back to the Borden house with stomach satisfied and excited to begin our conversation with any spirits that might be in the house. We settled in and then took out our dowsing rods, the tool we use most to break the ice and introduce ourselves to entities who might be willing to talk to us. Are you recording? Yes. Okay. Oh, my flash is on. Sorry. It's, it's Look at this shit. I see it.
think somebody's anxious to talk. If y'all can't see it, uh, I just put the dowsing rods on my hands and this right one just continues to move back and forth like a clock. The left one is straight out. Now they're both straight out and what's interesting is that's our neutral position anyway. Right. Okay, let's start here for a moment. Um, to let you know, just my name's Lori and from Columbus, Ohio. And we've come a long way to talk with any entities that might be in this room. And I have with me Shane. Um, we're just here to kind of share some stories and uh, learn your story. And by your, I mean whoever is kind of with us this evening or who can figure out how to chat with us. And just so you know, you may have seen these. I'm sure you have. These are dowsing rods. You can answer yes and no questions with them. And um, so what I'd like to do now is, someone's been moving these dowsing rods already. If there's an entity that would like to talk to us, could you please move the rods in any way that you want to move them? Any way. Any way you want, just let us know you're here. That's it. You may not use these for the first Shane, I see smoke coming off the end of these dowsing rods. Smoke? Shane, yes. Move closer. Like with a flashlight or me, myself? I don't know. <laughs> Where do you see it? Like off the Coming dragon? off the very ends of the dowsing rods. Whoa, yeah. Hang on. so much now. There was like a Literally, second where I could see it. There was like a cloud at the end of the dowsing rods. And hopefully the building just like is on fire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there, look, look at the one on my left. Look at the one on my left. Either that or my eyes are blurred from the 12 hour drive. I'm not sure. <laughs> We're just delirious. taking some photos. Yeah, and just kind of watch that as we go along. I really saw that. Okay, well, let's check this out a little bit. Obviously, there's someone that would like to talk. Um, so let me tell you how... Oh, okay. Okay, yes. Okay, so what we're going to do is this is how this is going to work. In between questions that I'm going to ask, if you could move the dowsing rod straight out, you already did it, straight out away from me, just like that. That'll be our neutral position before any question because we want to understand you clearly, okay? Now we're going to need to move you in the dowsing rods in a way that shows me your answer for yes. 
It can be any configuration of the way these are moved, but that will be continually our answer for yes. Can you tell me what your answer for yes will be if there's someone that wants to talk? Okay, very clearly. Right rod moved in, left one straight out. Thank you so very much. You know, we are really excited to talk to you. So if you remember neutral position, that was Shane. I can just stay there. Straight out away from me. Straight out away from me. Oh my God, perfect. Perfect. That will be your answer for yes. And anytime we go to another question, you'll move them out like this. Now, I understand this might take a lot of energy and maybe you haven't done this before, so take your time. Okay, take your time. Now, can you show me a sign, a movement with the rods for the answer no that is different from the one you showed me from yes? Can you show me what that is? Very clearly, the left one moves and the right one doesn't. Fantastic. You are, seems like you might have done this before. Okay, move straight out away from me again. Neutral position so we can ask you some questions. We are so thrilled to talk with you. We've come a very long way to get a chance to be in this house and talk to you. So straight out if you would. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Straight out here. So, I'm going to ask you this. Is this entity that we're talking to, is this someone that lived in this house? Yes. Very, very clearly yes. Thank you for being so honest and talking to us. Can you go to the neutral position? I know it takes energy. Take your time. Yes. Yes. We are so thrilled to get to know you. Let me ask you this. Is this a member of what was the Borden family? reason we came to talk to you directly because we want to hear it from you we don't want to hear it from someone else and now a lot of time has gone by in our world and we want to know the truth um, I'm just going to ask straight out um, is this by any chance Lizzie Elizabeth I mean I don't mean to be too familiar yes Elizabeth Elizabeth. Elizabeth, yes, I'm sorry for the, the familiarity, I didn't mean it that way. Okay, so, we got left, but a little bit of movement. We got a right, a little bit of movement on the left. Okay, if this is, let me ask one more time. Let me ask this one more time. Neutral out, just so we're clear. Is this Elizabeth Andrew Borden that we're talking to? Yes. 
Yes, it is. Yes. Okay, let's move the rods uh, out in front of me to neutral position. Elizabeth, we are beyond thrilled and honored to talk with you. So many people know who you are. So many people have heard the story that just to get to talk with you is incredible. Like I said, we've been wanting to do this for a long time. This is incredible. So let's let's start with a few questions. Um, um, how would I put it this way? When you lived in this house, did you feel like you might have so much potential to do so many things, but at that time, women couldn't do just anything they wanted, and um, again, you were controlled uh, by your family and your father. Were you frustrated living here? Yeah, somewhat. You were frustrated living here, okay. Got that somewhat frustrated. Okay, let's move out front. Move out front neutral. Neutral for me. I know you're using a lot of, you have very emphatic answers, so I know this is probably taking up a lot of energy. Thank you, thank you. I know this is a silly question, but I just want to tell you that we have sympathy for you. Um, it must have been very difficult when your mother died when you were a young child, correct? That was difficult and difficult growing up without your mother. Oops, that was me, sorry. Okay, neutral, it was difficult. All right, let me shake this out a little bit. My arm's a little bit from driving my arm. It's a little bit crazy. <laughs> How do you think this is really hard? I mean, it's possible, right? And just so you know, the laughter is the straight people in the other room probably having sex. This no, hotel is ultimately no different than any other. <laughs> okay, dowsing rods back straight away, straight away. Okay, well, um, so Lizzie, tell me, um, did you, did you rely and love your sister Emma and rely upon her? Oh my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Straight out for me. We heard a lot about your very special relationship with Emma. Um, and we're just amazed to be here in you and Emma's sweet. Like, this is where you shared intimacies and talked and, and, and grew up together. And we're sitting here right now and it's really amazing to us. Did you think of, of after your mother passed, did you think of Emma much more as your mother than your stepmother, Abby? <laughs> I would say yes. I would say yes. Okay. Let's move out in front of me, if you would. Now, let me ask you this, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but um, at the end of your lives, um, you and Emma were... Um, estranged and didn't talk and something happened, right? You and Emma was separate at the end of your lives, correct? 
Yes. Yes. Straight out for me if you would. Thank you for being so honest and talking to us. Did the fact that you and Emma were estranged, did it, it, it give you pain? Did it hurt you? Oh my, that's the most emphatic yeah. yes of the evening. There could be books themselves written just about Lizzie and Emma Borden's close relationship. Lizzie was just four years old when her mother died. Emma was 14. It was said that upon her deathbed, their mother asked Emma to take care of little Lizzie. Emma would take that request very seriously for most of her life. Emma would indeed be much more of a mother figure to Lizzie than was her stepmother, Abby. The sisters' relationship would make it through the gruesome murders of their parents in the grueling trial. However, at the end of their lives, there was something that happened that their relationship could simply not survive. And it did not survive. What possibly could that have been? Clearly, Lizzie's reactions to our questions about Emma were hitting a soft, sore spot. That situation, we will get to a little later. It is at the very heart of this story. I understand. I'll tell you something, Lizzie. I'll just tell you. Sorry, Elizabeth. Um, it, let me ask you this. Do you mind if I call you Lizzie? Uh, oh, yes, you mind. How about this? Let me ask it more clearly. Do Is it okay if I call you Lizzie? Mm, you're not so <laughs> sure about that, okay? How about if I call you Elizabeth? Okay, okay, let's do that. Let's do that. Doesn't seem like you're too passionate either. Okay, but Elizabeth. I had made a huge mistake. This is why we say to always do your homework. You see, we didn't quite yet understand the fact that Lizzie had changed her name to Elizabeth after the trial. The importance of that name was made obvious to us the next day when we visited the grave plot of the Borden family at Oak Grove Cemetery. There, she is buried under a headstone that simply says, Lizbeth, not Lizzie. Ironically, it was probably the equivalent of me deadnaming her. I mean, my bad. And you know, I am not sure our conversation with her recovered from this. It was a damn queer rookie mistake. So, let me ask you this, um, you know, ultimately, that, um, did you, did, how do I ask this, did you love your father? No movement at all. Do you not want to answer this question? Say no if you don't want to answer this question. Let me start that again, so it's not me, straight out, straight out. I ask you if you loved your father, please move the rods no if you do not want to talk about this, You want if you don't want to talk about how you felt about your father. Okay, just no comment at all, huh? No comment at all. Let me ask you this. 
did you often get angry with your father? No question. No answer. Um, this is a, a safe space. We, yeah. We can't reveal anything that you share with us that isn't, you know, kind of already known. We're just, we're here to get the actual story, your story. Your story and your authentic story, and it is a safe space. We tell people's stories. We're not trying to exploit you. You know, as a matter of fact, we just did a story on the first woman um, ever executed in Ohio in 1844, and everybody had her story wrong. And she actually talked to us and helped us find the documents that would tell her story correctly as to who she really was. And that's what we want to do with you, okay? So we're not here to exploit you um, in any way. And I'm sure, you know, you probably really do want to talk about other things than just the murder of your mother and father, your, your right. stepmother and your father. Um, that's all that anybody ever seemed, seemed to care about. But we might talk about that for a little bit, but we want to talk about your life. So let's get to, to some other things here. Um, after you were found not guilty, um, you bought a house called Maplecroft, correct? Correct, that was on the hill, right? Okay, yes. I guess we'll just take these three yeses, although they're not... Not complete? Yeah, I don't know if it's being tired or being unemphatic. So yes, let's assume you did. So, um, out neutral, please. Seems like it's getting harder for you to move these. Out in front of me, please keep, keep speaking with us. We really wanted to speak with you. Honestly, it's a good... Let's take a break. Yeah, let me ask one question. Okay. Would you like to talk more about Emma? Do you still want to talk to us? I'll ask you this. Would you like to take a break? No? Let me ask you this. If you can move it yes for you want to talk with us, and no if you don't want to talk with us. Nothing. No answer. Nothing. I'm gonna take a little break, okay? Strange. KG. Yeah. Which seems about right. <laughs> Sorry, I know. <laughs> KG. These are not unlikely answers that we heard today. Yeah, that she gave during the investigation of the trial. Right? It's possible that it's, you know, very legitimately actually her and not just someone striving for attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was much, boy, the minute we switched to the murder, she just shut off. Mm-hmm. 
so we decided to take a break. We did feel like we had blown it a bit. With such initial enthusiastic answers, the shutting down of responses had been disappointing. We decided to go outside and have a cigarette and regroup. We also left the recorder on while we were out of the room, sitting on Lizzie's bed, amongst our other ghost hunting paraphernalia. We were gone about 10 minutes, and then proceeded back up the stairs to start the conversation anew. to Lizzie's room from the hall was now open. Emma's door was now closed and the light on. That is not how we left it. Clearly, someone or something had been in our room while we were gone. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to mark your calendars for October 25th when the story of Lizbeth Borden's third bloody option continues. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a fellow weirdo and leave a review. This show was created and produced by me, Shane McClelland, and Lori Gum. Until next time, friends. Be weird. Stay curious. These are the Q-Files. Q-Files.